Hi, Tommy. Welcome to the couch. Thank you, Tanya Gomez. Excited to be here. Yeah, so great. So great to sit down with you in person after so many years working in the same circles and working mm -hmm. together. Um, and it's a, a unique story because you're one of the very few clients who I work with in both the disability space and the education space. Mm. And so I love having you here today. Thanks for joining us. Um, and today we're doing a innovation series about innovation in education and disability. So who is better to speak to than the infamous Tommy <laughs> Chow? Pleasure to be here. Thanks yeah. for having me. So why don't we start with your origin story, your why, and tell us about WeFlex, where it started, and where you are today. Sure. The villain, the villain origin story for me is um, always worked in disability support, always loved it. Um, I'm in a respite centre for people with disabilities. I'm working with a client who is both autistic and psychotic, so psychotic disorder, ASD2. Um, and I was working with this guy and he was on antipsychotic medication and I just saw that he was putting on weight like crazy, he was not leaving the house and every week he would leave the apartment twice a week to get groceries and to go to the center that I worked out of and there was no one in this guy's life that asked him how he was, it wasn't paid to ask him that. And so it was really just like, you know, at the time being a young fella, I was like, you know what, let's just go to the gym, it's somewhere nearby, it's somewhere close, it's, it's rainproof and the rest of it. And I had no idea that I was actually starting what was going to become my life's work and my passion. You know, I saw this gym wrap around itself around this guy. I saw him finally find a community, you know, not just something to do, but somewhere to be. Mm -hmm. And before I knew it, I had eight people with disabilities working out together. And the, the, the thing in disability work is that if they show up and they like it and they keep showing up, you're onto a winner. Mm -hmm. So, but before I knew it and before I was about to take that program elsewhere, my dad became incredibly ill. Uh, my father was also on the spectrum. He passed away quite quickly from cancer um, and a very, very preventable lifestyle-related cancers. And I'm there at the funeral looking at my little brother, Jackie Boy, who is also on the spectrum, also following in his dad's footsteps from a lifestyle perspective and just felt, geez, I need to help my brother out. I'll do the same thing for him. Tried to find him a personal trainer and we got to a point where we realized that no personal trainer would take Jack on. The second they heard his label, autism, they didn't want to borrow him. We went to different gyms and they both would say to us, you know, oh, we're not a special needs gym. We don't work with that clientele. I don't think it's appropriate. Is it safe? How do we know? Um, and, you know, as a carer, I'm watching my brother navigate a world that wasn't built for him. Um, and it was really out of a case of frustration that I just decided to take myself out and become a personal trainer myself. Became one, started training Jack. Jack went on to lose about 15 kilos, went from completely sedentary to working out every day. And I fell in love once again with doing that for people. But as a newly minted personal trainer, there was no education whatsoever on how to work with clients with disability. Yeah. And it's a requirement to be registered with the peak body. And I'm at a point where there are 37 different courses on kettlebells, 20 courses on how to walk, not a single course on 20% of the population, yeah. which have some of the worst health outcomes in Australia. Yeah. A lot to be ashamed of as a country. And I just thought, well, WeFlex itself actually really did begin as an education effort first. That kind of spiraled out of control and got away from me a little bit. But yeah, education first for us. Yeah. Amazing. And, and where is WeFlex today? So at the moment, WeFlex is a NDIS registered provider and we connect people with disability to mainstream health and fitness professionals and centers and we provide education and training to those professionals 
so that they can meet the unique needs of the clients that we've provided them. And as an NDS provider, we take care of all the NDIS paperwork so that the fitness professionals don't have to. Yeah, so we are the fitness brand for people with disabilities in Australia, and we are the brand for the disability industry on how to work with clients with disability. That's an amazing story. And I literally got goosebumps when you were saying <laughs> it. Like, I think that your your mission and your passion is is palpable. I can feel it. It's obviously deep inside what you're trying to achieve. Um, and I'm I'm really curious about the name WeFlex. You know, we've we've talked previously about the amount of providers <laughs> yeah. who have not so cool names. Where did WeFlex come from as a name? So one of my pet peeves is businesses and disability that have the word ability in their name or care. Um, I think really it came from a place of I grew up with my little brother doing services, and they always had really lame brands, really lame names, and I just saw Jacks lack of interest mm. and feel not very cool going to any of them. And I realized that, you know, um, we care so much about branding for the general population, but we just assume people with disabilities will just take whatever and that they don't care and that yeah. there's no mission resonance for them with a cool brand. Yeah. So we just wanted to make sure that whatever we chose, it actually wouldn't be about disability. It wouldn't be about care either. We actually did a full workshop with people with disabilities in the room and we wanted a cool name that was just inclusive um, and one that they would be proud to rep yeah. and wear merch for and something that isn't obvious straight away. Um, and it was interesting because it was actually quite a battle for us with, with earlier investors and early stakeholders without a disability. They were like, oh, but no one knows what that means. Mm. You should just call it disability fitness or something. And it's yeah. like, but no, one, no one's going to be excited by that. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So we wanted to make up our own word. We was inclusive and flex for us was, you know, the young people, uh, as it was explained to me by my nephews, is that flexing is about showing off what you're good at. Yeah. And for us, PRs in our industry and with our clients can range from gunning for a spot in a Paralympic cycling team yeah. and pressing a, door, uh, pressing a button. Yeah. That's the full spectrum of our PRs. But all of them are a flex because all of them are that person improving their life, their fitness, their goals, whatever. Yeah. Where all PRs are equal in how awesome they are. Yeah. So we wanted to have that inclusive flex, we flex. Yeah. And it's also muscles, right? And it was, yeah. And it's got it, some it, great emojis behind it. it. It's got some great emojis for it, but it's also, you know, it's fitness related as well. So, yeah. and it's, you know, and as a result of that, we have clients that are all desperate for merch. Yeah. And for disability in land, yeah. to have clients that are desperate to represent the brand. Yeah. That's a big deal and that's something we're really proud of yeah. and really want to make sure that we honour the brand by making it not inspiration porn yeah. but instead just a cool brand that loves everybody and wants everyone to achieve their fitness goals, whatever they are. Yeah, amazing, amazing. And you, you told us about where you started and about Jack um, and that, that he has autism. Is it just people with autism that you train? No, everybody. So um, we started in we started with all clients on the spectrum because those were the clients that I already knew and started there. But at the moment, we serve any and all types of disability, um, from incredibly rare ones like Williams Williams syndrome, uh, all the way Willis Prada Willis, sorry, as well as stuff like Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, spinal cord injuries, psychosocial disability. We are working to get to a point where there's not a single client on the planet that we can't work with yeah, right. and support them to meet their goals, mm -hmm. remove every single barrier for someone to make the choice to pursue a improved fitness. Yeah. And 
I mean, every single, like, everybody in Australia needs to be fitter, right? Like we are one of the fattest nations. And then I guess even internationally, it is, obesity is a epidemic. I think there's, you know, there's lots of comparisons of we've gone through a pandemic, but actually, you know, being overweight has so many impacts to your health. It really is really needed. And as you said, the the, the community, the, the disabled community really do miss out. It isn't something that was catered for. It's uh, it's really mind-blowing, isn't it? That- oh, yeah. So a big part of it was always health. I know firsthand from working both in the sector but also with family as well, health with people with disability is always focused around the disability. Yeah. So health takes on the form of speech therapy in OT. As a, but, and stuff like diet and regular activity and exercise sort of takes a bit of a backseat. Yeah. It's understandable. Some families, it's really hard to keep up and you, you're sort of fighting for your life. But for us, you know, we know that, um, Australia has actually some pretty woeful statistics around the health outcomes of people with disability. But, you know, the big one for us is, you know, the average life expectancy for someone with an intellectual disability in Australia yeah. is closer to 54, uh, which is decades below the average of the general population. And on top of that, people with disability period are three times more likely to have three or more long-term health conditions, which yeah. are more lifestyle related. So they're living shorter lives, but also more unhealthier lives. And we don't prescribe anything. We're not forcing or believe that everybody should do something all the time, but we want to provide the opportunity for people to improve their health when they're ready to do so. Yeah. And health is really wealth, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. health is the the life force. It's energy. It's being able to do anything relies on you being healthy. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, amazing. I know I know that you have some amazing partnerships and that seems to be part of your brand and part of your success. How did you start and tell us about your partnerships and where they began and how you got to be in a position that you have some of the the biggest brands in fitness working with you? Yeah, so look, uh, I've got so my the team at WeFlex know that I'm I'm famous for sliding into people's DMs on social media, especially on LinkedIn. And so, you know, but one of the, our first major partnership was with Anytime Fitness Australia, who we're still proudly aligned with as a national partner. And, you know, I was essentially stalking all their leadership team for months. And then uh, their, at the time, general manager, Rob Hale, he has a gorgeous son on the spectrum. He put his whole team at Anytime through a workshop, Understanding Autism, posted it on LinkedIn. I saw that and I slid right into his DMs and said, if you love that, I'm going to about to put your two passions together, let's have a coffee. We had a coffee and he was in before the coffees arrived. Um, and then when Anytime Fitness are in a position where they have meaningfully and really are committed to creating the most inclusive gym network in Australia, they already knew WeFlex. Yeah. And securing that partnership, a big part of it was just explaining to them that the first gym that did accept my brother mm. in wasn't Anytime. Mm. We had a wonderful experience there. We still train there together even now after 11 years mm. of doing it together. And it's the only gym that Jack will go into. Yeah. He, he sees the face. He sees the running man. He sees the purple. He knows it's an Anytime gym and he'll go into it. Anything else, he won't go in. Mm. So they've got his loyalty to the day he dies. Yeah. And so when we're talking to them, we're talking about our ability to help them. We understand what they don't know. We can fill in that gap. We're here to help them as a plug into the communities mm. within disability. Yeah. But at the same time, um, you know, there's a very important spiritual connection between our brands. Mm. And we wanted, I wanted to honor that. And that really meant a lot to them. Yeah. You could tell. And they're very, very sincere, authentic partners of ours, which is mm. great. Um, and another one of note, I'd say, is PE Nation, who are a brilliant local activewear company, all about empowerment. 
Um, and, you know, we were lucky enough to get an introduction to Claire Dragoning, who's their co-founder, the creative director, brilliant woman. And, um, you know, I was just explaining to her, I said, look, I've got clients coming to the gym in jeans and polos and with like dress shoes on because they don't like what's out there and there's nothing that fits them. Um, and she just, I could tell that she went away and just wasn't okay with that, yeah. came back and said, let's do something about it. Yeah. And then we ran co-design sessions, which we do with all our stuff. And we had people with disabilities in the room with Claire explaining how hard it is for them. Mm. We had this one young woman who's in a wheelchair, does dome racing, like an absolute go-getter. And she was explaining to Claire that to make a long-sleeve activewear shirt that fits and suits her and her needs, she has to buy three, three different tops and sew them together. Yeah. And, you know, for the general population, there's so many activewear brands out there. You can find anything. Yeah. But this is someone who couldn't find a single piece that would actually work for her. Mm. So PE Nation are, are completely committed and I've done amazing work so far on just designing prototypes around meeting unique needs uh, from an accessibility standpoint of clothing, mm. whether it's sensory, whether it's for people with amputations, people with different needs and getting clothes on and off. So magnets instead of zippers and buttons, stuff like that. They're doing absolutely brilliant work. Yeah, amazing, amazing. And how do those partnerships help you in your mission and to make that, I guess, get to your your end goal faster instead of you deciding to do that yourself? Mm. Because you would have you have the skills and the know how and the connections to go right. I'm going to create an inclusive activewear. Or I was even thinking you have the know how and skills to go and create a gym for people with disability. Why did you decide to use partnerships as opposed to see those as other opportunities that you could seize? I think it was mostly laziness, to be honest with you. It's just easier. Like anytime fitness have 500 gyms across Australia, yeah. it would take me three years to build one. Yeah. Like I'd rather just use theirs. Yeah. But also the big part of it, the mission for us has always been around the fact that we don't want special gyms for special people to do special workouts with their yeah. special trainer yeah. and a special car spot. Instead, we'd rather make existing gyms more mainstream. Yeah. But we've always had a passion around for any time. We've said we really want to make this a business case for inclusion because yeah. it's the best way to incentivize change, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so we also believe that being a customer is not a dirty word. We want people with disabilities to be yeah. customers of any time yeah. because then customers are always right. Mm. Managers would be crazy not to cater to the needs of their new membership base. Yeah. Um, and, you know, build that. The partnership was sort of somewhat founded around there as well as ideological principles too, and it's just yeah. been great. But, you know, we connect people with disabilities to the fitness industry. We now have 500-plus gyms that we now have access to or can have access to yeah. overnight. Mm. That's a game changer for us. Mm. Um, and from a PE Nation standpoint, you know, again – like I said earlier, we're really passionate about this brand being cool. Yeah. Having an activewear brand like PE Nation yeah. give a crap yeah. and design cool stuff that's completely inclusive and accessible and they're going to have those types of models in there and everything. Like what we were saying to that young woman when she couldn't find a single shirt for her to wear is that you don't need it or you don't want it or you don't belong. We don't care enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're not worth it. Yeah. Now we've got one of the coolest brands in Australia saying you're very much worth it and yeah. we designed it just for you. Yeah. What does that tell her? That she belongs and that she should. Yeah. It's like showing up to a soccer game and being the only one on your team without a jersey on. Yeah. It may seem really shallow or not important, but for in a very spiritual way it is. Mm. It's all about empowerment. Mm. Feeling good, feeling great, mm. in cool clothes, going to the gym. That's now inclusive. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And it's 
it's amazing to hear you speak of it like that as well. It's, it is obvious that you're so passionate about all of the things that you do. What was, before you were working in, with people with disability, what was your journey and what, I guess, what was your foundation to have the skills to be able to take the risk to run your own business and to do this successfully? Yeah. So I started working in this, like, you know, I grew up in a house with a dad and a brother with autism. So I'd say I've been in the industry since I was born to some extent. Um, And I started, I did volunteer work in high school. I started doing disability work straight out of high school. So I've always been doing it, but I've also, my career has taken me to, I used to work in um, uh, correctional facilities in Sweden. I've worked in drug, residential drug and alcohol programs. I've also worked out of mental health wards. I've worked with carers. I've sort of just like fumbled my way through the industry. Um, and I think what I've learned is just, you know, talking to all different types of Australians. So essentially I didn't go to university. I didn't want to. The idea I had at the time was that university would get in the way of my education and I'd much rather just throw myself into work that put me into contact with people I never would have met otherwise. Yeah. Funny, funny that you started this interview by saying that you're actually an education business first yeah. and foremost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, but um, yeah, I'm not very good at it myself, but <laughs> I've educated myself later. But, you know, I was like, you know what, I'd rather learn by just going and working out of prison and talking to young kids in Sweden who, you know, grew up with a very different life to me. I'd rather go and work out of a psych ward. Mm-hmm. I think you'd learn a lot more. And so I just threw myself into every bizarrely ridiculously difficult job in people that i could find i used to build suicide prevention networks in the country and the outback of australia and indigenous communities as well where i would get dropped in cold into a small town that has a higher suicide rate than average and i would then build a not-for-profit in that community Mm. recruiting manually recruiting and headhunting locals to join it and asking blue-collar people to be the face of suicide and talking about their feelings yeah. in a small town as well and building them so that they were sustainable and I could leave. Yeah, right. So I didn't have a plan in my career, obviously, the entire time. And I started Wayflex on the back end of a nervous breakdown and I was just like, I've always wanted to do this. I've always been too scared. Screw it. I don't care anymore. I'm yeah. just going to go for it. Yeah, And I just went for it and it's just gotten away from me ever since. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to catch up. Well, I think you're doing an amazing job. <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think a lot of starting a business is just trying, right? Just testing and measuring, seeing what works, trusting your yeah. gut, finding what does work. And for the 10 things that work or the one thing that works is the 100 things that don't. It's, yeah, absolutely. Like I've learned, I've, I was the last guy that ever wanted to and ever would have, but it was a problem that I saw. And even though I had chickened out for 10 years to do anything about it, I also saw that nobody was doing anything about it for 10 years. Yeah. And I just got to a point of just screw it um, and just went in for it. And, yeah, I've made every single mistake in the book. I think I've even invented new mistakes that could be made, and I've then made those as well. But, um, you know, we've, we've mostly kept out of trouble because at our very core is co-design working building a brand with people with disabilities not for them Mm. and so we haven't made any of the mistakes that would matter and that is any type of betrayal or misservice to the community yeah um we've got good we're we're well regarded which means the world to us and we work very hard to keep it that way yeah 
Yeah, and you do that by constantly figuring out what your clients need and making that happen. And half our workforce is also has a disability. In yeah. fact, I think the majority now wow. has a disability as well. Mm, that's that's amazing when you think of it's you know something like three percent of of businesses have people with disability working in them. So that's a pretty amazing thing as well. Yeah, I think the rest of us are undiagnosed. <laughs> Potentially, <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. I don't. I don't think screening was the was the same when I was a child. Or I'm sure there would be lots of lots of things that you know could have oh, been diagnosed. The world's changed quickly. Yeah. Like at the moment, you know, if you go on LinkedIn, you have all kinds of people talking about, um, I'm going getting tested. Mm. I'm now ADHD, yeah. disability pride. Yeah. I spent, you know, it cost a lot of money for me to get this, but it's so much worth it. And I remember there was a time in living memory where people would have paid 10 grand to have a diagnosis removed from themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Or to not do the testing. Yeah. And now they're seeking it out and talking about it publicly. Yeah. Talk about stunning 180 in a very short amount of time. Yeah. It's awesome to see. The, the rise of neurodivergence. You yeah. know, even even that terminology is is new. And, you know, I'm neurodivergent. I have dyscalculia, which is dyslexia for numbers. But it's not something that I, I, I really – I was just bad with maths, right? It was never mm. something. And it was only through working with children with with language dyspraxia as a teacher that a, an OT was diagnosing one of my children and was like, oh, yeah, and she rattled off five things. Oh, he's obviously got dyscalculia because he does this, 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 this. And I was like, mental checklist that's me (laughs) i couldn't read the time till i was 10 i couldn't tie my shoelaces i definitely couldn't do math and yeah it's it's interesting that someone asked me recently if if i would talk about my neurodivergent history or my journey and i was like well i don't actually that's not a label that i wear not it just was never a term growing up it was just i'm bad at math so that's definitely kids that's right. That's weird kids and dumb kids. Yeah. And I definitely have always been wore those labels. Definitely been Same. weird. <laughs> definitely not been the normal. And people still say to me, you know, like, I can't believe that you do what you do, or I can't believe you've done A, B, or C. And it's like, well, that's just me. It's just um, how I am. People with ADHD are more likely to start their own business. Oh, there you go. It's interesting. ADHD is more likely to be entrepreneurs. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, look, that's figures interesting. Too. It does figure, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like it's a brave new world as well. I think, I think we are, you know, people like you and, and many others are breaking down those stereotypes and are being proud of who they are. They're good. They're bad. They're indifferent and realizing that you're only disabled by the community and by society. Social model of disability. The social model. Yeah. As opposed to the medical model of a, dis- a disability, something you have to fix. Oh, you have sure, to work sure. on. For me, it's, it's interesting because disability for me, one, it isn't a dirty word at all. Yeah. And it, some people will actually tiptoe around the word. Yeah. Um, and every time I've, I've even considered using the terminology differently, abled or otherly abled, I've just had people with disability laugh at me or, yeah. or roast me for it essentially. But for me, it's never been a dirty word and it's also never been a big word or a scary word, right? Yeah. It's like my brother, a little bit different, a little big deal. You know what I mean? Everyone's weird in their own way and Jack has his own needs. Um, and so for us, you know, we really wanted to incorporate that in like, yeah, we're all about disability. Yeah, we have disability inside the business, throughout the business. It's not a big deal. And just normalize it and not make it yeah, bigger than it has to be. Yeah. Um, and treating customers like it's fine. So, yeah. you know, the way that I've always put it to the team and also to our PTs is, you know, at the moment, you know, the fitness industry is very much at the beginning of really learning and understanding how to service the community. Mm. Um, but we want to get it to a point where it's like now at the moment, I'm allergic to almonds. When I go to a restaurant, I tell them I'm allergic to almonds. They make a note of that. 
yeah. and then nothing changes for me. Yeah. They don't put me on a separate table. Yeah. They don't put a hat on me that says I'm special. Yeah. They don't do anything else. They just make a note and then they cater to it. Yeah. We want the exact same thing. Yeah. And to break down the, the enormity and the monolith of the word. Yeah. And make people realize it's, it just means different needs. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. As an early childhood teacher, at some point many years ago, we, we stopped being special educators and everything moved to additional needs. And that kind of incorporated the idea of that everyone at some point has an additional need, right? It could be that your parents are getting yeah, divorced. It could be that you have an allergy. It could be that you have a learning difficulty. It could be lots of things. But at some point in everyone's life, you have extra needs, you know, it could be your own, you know, whatever it might be, a death in a family. At some point, you need a little bit more care and attention than at other times in your life. But, but you're, you know, and, 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 and children with disability were part of that. And you realize that as an early childhood teacher, you just cater for the needs and you meet them where they are right now. And every single child's at a different level, especially if you've got three-year-olds for the first time, their first year of preschool, or your three-year-olds in different places. The girls are ahead yeah, of the boys. Huge development. It's a, a, yeah, huge, discrepancy, a huge discrepancy. Sure. And we just deal with the child where they're at because you can't deal with them at any other point, right? It doesn't make sense. And I think, I think in education, you kind of have that grounding, but it doesn't seem that that philosophy or that, that, that idea of, you know, I think it's Ericsson talks about only educating people in this area. So it's, you don't make things too difficult and you don't make them too easy, but everything's, you're just stretching people a little bit at a time. And I'm not sure if the rest of society have, have that, have that approach or, you know, for many years, we just segregated people. As you said, we put on the special hat and the special badge and we marked them or labeled them in a certain way. So no, yeah, it's it's interesting to think that we do that well some some in some pockets with some professions, but not in others. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So you've talked about being an education business. You've talked about your mission and your vision. How what what does the future hold for WeFlex, and how are you using things like education to to make your to to meet your mission and your goals? Education, I think, is pretty much at the core of what WeFlex does. Because essentially the way that it works is that when we onboard a client, we understand what their support needs are. Yeah. And we look at it more through the lens of needs and disability. Yeah. Because a client can come in and they can be autistic. Okay, that's great. What does that mean? It doesn't tell us anything really. Uh, instead, we find out what their support needs are. And that's actually reflected in how we do our education. So one of the biggest breakthroughs I had was through my friend Erica Gleason, the founder of Autism Swim. She said that it's not about disability, it's about support needs. Mm -hmm. And your education is to be about support needs. Mm -hmm. So we don't have a single module on autism, but we do have modules on sensory needs. We have them on behaviors of concern. We have them on disability inclusion principles, which has communication practices. That's how we actually meet it. And so when we have a client that has sensory needs, we get the personal trainer to do the course on sensory needs. And then we match them together. Mm. And they're looking at them not just with an ability to meet their needs, but they're looking at them through the prism of needs, not the prism of labels or diagnosis. Mm. It's not an autistic client. It's a client with sensory needs. Yeah. Just like you have a client with a bad back. Yeah. You have a client who's just given birth. You have a client who's about to give birth. It's all the same. It's just different needs. And so that's how we really normalize it and just say, actually, instead of it being a, a label that changes a humanity, mm. human just like the rest of us, just with different needs. Yeah. And in our modules, you know, like with uh, sensory needs, we explain that we all have sensory needs yeah. and we all have sensory preferences. Mm. I can't work if someone's talking to me. Mm. I cannot stand it when people chew with their mouth open. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't like anyone holding my hand. 
Yeah. I've got sensory needs. We all do. And so it's just explaining that for some people, regulation is a bit harder. Mm-hmm. Here's how you can incorporate that into the workout. Yeah. So, but our education, we co-design everything, meaning that we have people with those unique needs in the room practically writing it for me mm. as I go. So when we wrote a module on blind, low vision, we had 10 people who were blind and low vision in the room answering the dumbest questions that have ever been asked of someone with low vision from me, and I was putting that into the module. Yeah. Which means that the PTs are being taught exactly what their future customer or client wants them to know yeah. and what matters to them directly. Yeah, wonderful. So one of the big ones was consent to mm. touch because obviously we love that, but when you are low vision or blind, you don't know what's coming. Yeah. There's an extra level of terror that comes from being grabbed or touched when you're not expecting it. Yeah, right. And the stories we had of people, the funny ones are people who get walked across the wrong street from a well-meaning stranger and they've now got to cross back and do it again. But also just like it's also somewhat humiliating that I'm just like this parcel that gets moved around because someone wants to feel good about themselves. Yeah. And you put that in. And so – and as a result of that, we've done like close to 2,000, if not 3,000 workouts since we've started. And I can count on one hand the number of incidences we've ever had. Yeah, right. Which yeah. just goes to show what the training is because yeah. they're not making mistakes. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah. So that's easily our pride and joy is our academy and our education. Yeah. So tell me how, what platform do you use for this education and training? How do you roll it out? What does that look like? It's pretty chaotic, if I'm being honest. Um, but essentially, we create it and articulate, articulate rise. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's um, dumbass friendly, which I love. And we use Absorb LMS, which is pretty good. Works for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most LMSs, to some extent, are kind of the same. But Absorb is great. So we use that. And the process is is normally we were started off by picking disability needs or types that were the most represented in the NDIS. So, you know, autism is the most, is the highest proportion of NDIS plans. Mm-hmm. So we started there. And then, you know, we spoke to clinicians. What are the actual support needs within that? Yeah. And we broke it down, made modules on those. And then um, we sort of do it that way. The process is is that we get a co-design session. We ask really dumb questions because you have to start a scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a read on that. We then put that into work. We then get that looked over by a clinician to make sure that everything that we're saying and everything that we're suggesting is clinically appropriate mm-hmm. and best practice, and that's done. Then we get it in front of fitness professionals and say, does this make sense? Yeah. Is this actually going to help you or not? Yeah. And then they say, yeah. A lot of education out there actually doesn't give you any tools to use in the moment. Mm. It just gives you a lesson about the statistics of autism and what does it mean and how the brain works. But that doesn't mean anything when I've got someone having a meltdown in the level workout. Yeah. Stats aren't going to help me now. But really useful little tools on how to engage and more importantly how to prevent, that does. And so we always work on keeping it there. Um, At the moment, we're very excited because we're working on a massive suite of psychosocial disability needs mm. so we're working with clients with anxiety uh, we're also doing moods um all the way through to different trauma but also different types of trauma within it so you have indigenous multi-gen you've also got um former incarcerated or comms um as well as migrant refugees there's all types of different types of trauma unpacking yeah. all of that mm. um because one of the most common dual diagnoses within disability is mental health so mm attacking that as well it's mm. very interesting amazing yes yeah and your for your initial program that you you developed you chose strawberry solutions to help you design that tell me about that experience and how we how we helped you and what was the problem we were solving and how we helped you you know solve your problem there mm. I, I 
honestly cannot remember how we came across Strawberry Solutions, um, but I'm sure the name <laughs> spoke to me. And I chose, but you know, we had a great meeting, and I just said, "Look, I know what I want to. You know, I've got a cert for trainer and assessor, but I've never really actually delivered an online course. I've always been an in-person facilitator, mm. and so for me, it was like I kind of felt like I just like dumped a bunch of like manic scrambling uh, scribbles, you know, in front of the 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 team at Strawberry Solution, and I was like, "This is what I got." help and they just put absolute method in the madness and just really supported me in actually laying out the learner journey and how to assess and they just worked with me on just this back and forth of just here's they, they went on the education journey themselves and they did a really great job in just actually helping me lay it out um structure it pace it assess it um and just yeah absolutely gave it structure you know and the end result is still our best module. It's just amazing. Mm. And we've used it as a very important part of our business in opening up partnerships where people sort of say, oh, you know, what's your education like? They're going to say, try the dip. Yeah. Disability inclusion principles, try the dip. And they do. And they're just like, this is amazing. And, you know, we wanted to make sure that it looked great, that the learner journey was important because we've got users, which are personal trainers who, you know, may not be the most academically yeah. inclined people. Um, they may not always be the, have the most time. Mm. And we knew that we couldn't do a five-hour yeah. lecture series because it's not going to work. Mm. How do we get good outcomes from them that's going to help them in a way that is at a good clip but not rushed? Yeah. One and, and I think the first module dip – has almost set the tone for all the other modules we've ever done, amazing. thanks to Strawberry Solutions. Oh, thank you. That's amazing to hear. It's it's great. Um, where do you think, Where what's your future vision for the education that you're doing and where do you see this going into the future? It's, um, look, as, as a founder, I as much as I love thinking five years ahead, I'm not really five days ahead. But <laughs> to be honest with you, our what's great about what we do is that Disability is the same wherever you go, right? Mm. So the difference between someone with autism in France and in Australia is just the accent. Mm. And same with the benefits of exercise. Mm. Exercise is just as good for you anywhere you are too. So it's quite a universal mm. problem and our education is pretty universally relevant mm. outside of the NDIS. Yeah. And we've already had within our first two, three years of operation, we've had six different big players from six different countries reach out to us and say, we'd love to have your modules. We'd love to have your education. How do we do it? Yeah. And which is great. Uh, we haven't done it yet because we're still working on it. Um, and we want to focus on Australia first. But, you know, for us, I want to build the academy out forever. And I want to have all different types of support needs covered by it. I want there to be communities of practice for every single different module as well because there's so much we don't know. I mean, when I was writing content for it, I go on YouTube and I look up exercises for someone with cerebral palsy. There's nothing out there. Mm. And it's about just developing and getting everything we can from our trainers, which we've got now a lot of, and just feeding in this community practice so that even if you don't do our course, even if you don't want to be Weflex accredited, there's still stuff out there. Yeah. And have this amazing one-stop shop and have that be the catalyst for 
every single person with disability, no matter how intense their needs, mm. can get a workout. Yeah. So that there's zero barriers whatsoever, at least from a capacity or education standpoint from the fitness industry. Yeah, amazing. It is absolutely worldwide domination for you then. There's, there's you know, <laughs> the sky's the limit with where you go. And I say that tongue in cheek, but it's really it's really true, isn't it? There's, yeah. there's not an area or a, a, a country that does this well. This no, is this is you are setting the standard and you're almost creating a brand new sector. It it kind of reminds me of I don't remember who created it, but when they created vitamin water, yeah, right? Like no. that was a overnight a new thing. Yeah, overnight that you created a, a, a new sector with a new standard and you're setting the pace. Yeah, <laughs> within the first year of starting Weflex, I was speaking at an international conference. Like that's how empty <laughs> this space is <laughs> or how is good that you are i just started and i was already an international expert you know what i mean i'm not an expert i've always called myself an enthusiast yeah and you're certainly enthusiastic about it <laughs> yeah. right you live Incredible. and breathe it yeah, yeah absolutely yeah well thank you so much for joining me today on the couch it was so great to talk to you and so great to meet you in person after all these years and i really can't wait to see what's next for weflex me too thanks so much for your time yeah anytime